here at Southside, we had a choice we had to make. A choice that will depend on whether this little spinny wheel actually turns into anything. There we go, it has. Um, and this kind of captures it. We were studying a new church. What does it look like? Where does it meet? What does it do when it meets? We had a blank sheet of paper. And we had to work out what was important to this church to be like, at least as far as the planning was concerned and as far as trying to create something. So we got together and we did some work together, thinking through, well, what, what is this going to be about? Uh, I wonder if anybody remembers that day. We met at the showgrounds and we hammered through, what, what's this about? Who was there? Have a look around. There's a few people here who were there. Um, you can see some people who were there on the, in the photo. And one of the things that we said was that we wanted to be a good place to meet Jesus. Now, that was actually more important than it may sound. See, for us, we wanted to be a good place. We wanted to be a place where people could come, where they'd feel welcome, that was a good place in a world that's got plenty of bad places, plenty of places where you can go and it's difficult and it's fraught, where it's unsafe, where it's uh, a, a place where you can be um, you know, threatened and accused. All kinds of things can happen in our world. How can we make a good place? But a good place that isn't just a good place by itself. It's a good place where we can people can... I wanted to start here because, in a sense, behind certainly some of my thinking as I was hearing those words and going, yeah, those are words that I really like, was a passage from John's Gospel. Uh, it was the passage that was just read to us. Let's look at the opening verses again. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Look at their request. What do they want to do? They want to meet Jesus. That was their thing. These were people who said, we want to meet Jesus. I wanted to be the place where people who asked that question would find the answer. I wanted to be a place that people knew they could come and they'd encounter the Lord Jesus through his word. It wouldn't be a place where people would come and the primary thing they would encounter was, I don't know, a rock band or a, um, a set of... Pract religious practices or whatever, all the trappings that we can put around church are not the primary thing. And look at how it happens. We're told that people come and they, they, they came to Philip. These were Greek-speaking people. They were probably people who were interested in the God of the Jews, but they weren't Jews themselves. So they find the guy amongst Jesus' followers who's most familiar with their world. 
He comes from Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a very mixed city. Lots and lots of different people there. Here's somebody who get us. And then Philip takes him to Andrew and then Philip and Andrew go to Jesus and the introduction is made. And thinking about it, that's, that's the kind of thing I'd love for our church to be. A place where people could come to us and go, well, I've got a connection with you and I want to meet Jesus. And we say, well, come with me. I'd, I'd love to introduce you to him. One of the hard things that I found in my time in, particularly in the Anglican church here in Brisbane, was that Jesus didn't make it onto the agenda much. In the address to Synod that I found so difficult, we heard nearly a third of the address about why another diocese was terrible. But Jesus was mentioned once, and it was a quote from somebody else. Jesus just fell off the agenda. I didn't want to be that church. I wanted to be the church where Jesus was right in the center of the agenda where he ought to be. But what Jesus? We're going to say this is a place to meet Jesus. Who is this Jesus that we want them to meet? Who is the Jesus we encounter in Scripture? Well, I want us to look at a few things that in John chapter 12 come out. The first thing is that this Jesus is a global Jesus. Remember I said these are, these are Greeks. They're not Jews. The, historically, the people of God were the Jews. They were God's chosen people. And God's purposes were worked out through them. If you're a Jew, you had a relationship with God. If you weren't, but there was this reminder that even from the very beginning, that was not God's intention. Even way back at the of the Old Testament, God tells Abraham that his descendants would be blessed so that all the peoples on the earth could be blessed. There was something that was intended to go far beyond one nation to the very ends of the earth. And the interesting thing is that when these Greek-speaking non-Jewish people come to see Philip, Philip takes them to Andrew, Andrew takes them to Jesus, and Jesus replied, I don't know about you, but when I read the reply, I'm trying to work out what on earth it had to do with the Greeks who came seeking Jesus. He doesn't seem to say anything about them. You know, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What on earth is he going on about? And yet there's something quite profound that's going on here. Jesus, who was the, had, had shown himself to be the Jewish Messiah, particularly in John's Gospel, John shows that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the great festivals and feasts of Israel. But that's not the end of his work. In fact, his primary work is going to be a global work. It's going to be a work when he carries not the sins of Israel, but the sins of the world. When he does something and is glorified globally as he died 
and he rises. Now, for that us, this is significant. For us as a church, it's one of the reasons why we see it as important to be connected, connected globally. It's why we pray for a church in Cornwall and another one in Uganda and why we keep up with them to try and find out how we can be praying for them and how we can encourage them. It's why we see it as important to connect with with people across the globe. It's why we connect with organizations like CMS that are seeing the gospel proclaimed to the ends of the earth. That's That's their great passion. It's why we connect with organizations like the Bush Church Aid Society because they want to see the gospel go out not just to the south side of Brisbane but to the whole of Australia. Because we believe in a Jesus who isn't just a local Messiah, but the hope of the whole world. A Jesus who the whole world is drawn to. A Jesus whose work, whose hour, is not just an these Greeks come when the influence of Jesus is seen to be bigger. Then Jesus says, right, now is the time for the real work, for the hour of his glorifying. And here the emphasis now comes to this hour of Jesus glorifying. And in John's gospel, you can't miss it. He devotes half his gospel to telling you this story. Jesus is not just Jesus, he's Jesus crucified. Apostle Paul says something similar. We preach Christ crucified. Let's pick it up, verse 24 of John 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Here's Jesus' great mission. Here's Jesus glorifying. The glorifying that he is going to experience happens as like a seed, he dies so that the harvest can happen. He's the one who is in view in these verses. He is the the kernel of wheat. A few verses later, Jesus uh, reveals that this is not a prospect that, oh, goody, I get to go and die. No, we, every bit as horrific as it sounds. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus is, is in turmoil because crucifixion is not nice. It wasn't intended to be. It was an invention of the Roman Empire that said, don't ever do this. Don't cross us. If you cross us, we'll cross you. How's that for a bad pun? And they did. They used it brutally. One historian says that at the fall of, after the fall of Jerusalem in AD 77, I think it was 77 was the final fall of Jerusalem. 
70 was the temple. Somewhere around there. 70, in the 70s. There were more crosses outside of Jerusalem, so many that it was hard to find the wood to put thing. It was like a forest. What a horrific thing. Now it would be full, it, it'd be ridiculous for Jesus to be looking at the crucifixion with some sort of, oh goody, I get to do this. Of course he's troubled. Of course he's in turmoil. The thing that he's about to face is horrific. And yet, again and again, faced with that turmoil, he'll do it again when he's in the garden. And when he prays, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But he knows that this is actually what he is here to do. This is the will of God to, to ransom a world for himself, a world in rebellion, a world under judgment. It was for this very reason, says Jesus, that I came to this hour. Jesus goes through that turmoil for the reason of the cross. Can you see why it's so important for us to keep the cross at the center as we proclaim Jesus? If we proclaim a Jesus who is not Christ crucified, we belittle the very thing that Jesus said was right at the heart of who he is and why he came. What is more, the cross, cross is actually, what the cross achieves is incredible. The cross is a place, cross is actually a place of judgment. You want to see the seriousness of sin? Look at the cross. You want to see judgment begin on sin? The reality of a God who doesn't just accept whatever we think of him? Have a look at the cross. But it's also a place of victory. Where the enemy and his plans are overturned. If we preach a Jesus without a cross, we preach a Jesus without victory. We preach a world without consequence. Well, we preach nothing. That's why Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself it is in his lifting up. And John is, in case you miss it, John kind of makes it really obvious when he says that he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus' crucifixion, his being lifted up on a cross, is the thing that draws people to himself. If we preach Jesus without preaching Jesus crucified, we miss the point. I know where you stand on the climate change debate. But I do know that there are people for whom this isn't an intellectual debate. That they're sitting there trying to work out what the future of their village is going to be. Whether their livelihood is going to go. And in the end, they really couldn't care less about the science. What they want to know is whether there'll be any hope in helping them survive as water levels rise. Is it important? Yes. Sure is to them. And we need to have the compassion to look beyond intellectual arguments and actually say, what are the people who are suffering from this? 
How can we help them? That's really important. We're going to go to the polls soon. Referendum. And as we sit there and toss to and fro the merits of the proposal that is coming out in this referendum, at the same time, we have to acknowledge that Indigenous Australia has not been treated well at all in our history. It's been treated atrociously. We ought to care about that. Church, make our core message something about the voice or global warming instead of Christ crucified. We miss the solution to a world that is out of whack. We miss the God who has actually acted in history to restore all things and reconcile them to himself. We miss the genuine hope that there is for both the islander watching the sea rise and the, 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 the indigenous person who's wrestling with the disadvantage that they find themselves in. We have a God who holds out the same hope to all of us because all alike we need Christ crucified. So here at Southside, we saw the critical importance of being a great place, a good place to meet Jesus crucified. It's also a good place to meet the servant Jesus. Verse 25, anyone who loves his life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. Puts, I will honour the one who serves me. Jesus puts a picture of following him that is radical. Because what's he just said? He's, where's he just said he's going? He's going to a cross. You hear it differently in Luke's gospel as Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, They must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. It is a call to a, a death to self, to a discarding of a life that is all about what I can get and what I can achieve. I've just spent a week at Gents Camp. I'm so excited. <laughs> It was fun. But one of the things we were doing there is, is we'll, we built this pile of things that we, we look to thinking that these will be where we find meaning and significance and value and worth. It's the kind of stuff we looked at recently here in church because it was all coming from the book of Ecclesiastes. And those who've been coming along to Southside will know we've just trolled through that book. It doesn't have a good message about the final worth of things that we see, does it? Love on meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And if we fix our love on those things, on that life, a life in this world, a life of getting ahead in business, a life of leaving a legacy, a life of whatever else we put our foolish time into, thinking that this is what will give us meaning and significance, it doesn't work. 
we love that life, we won't take up the life that Jesus offers. But if we give up that life for him, we get the life Jesus offers, which is better by far. But that life is a life of service. It is a life of following a king. And calling him, we call him Jesus Christ. That means king. That makes us subjects. That means we start throwing away that horrible O word, obey. Yeah. Servants. But it doesn't stop there because we follow a glorified Jesus. The Jesus we are confronted with here in John's gospel, the Jesus that we want people to meet as they come to Southside is a Jesus who is glorious. Now is the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It wasn't just that the hour had come for him to be crucified, the hour had come for him to be glorified. Here is where Jesus the King shows what kind of king he is. A king who lays down his life for his people. A king who shows what it is to serve. But a king nonetheless. A king who wins victory over the great enemy. A king who conquers not another nation, not another people group, not a political treaty, but who conquers death itself. So Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. The voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thunders. Others said an angel had spoken to him. As Jesus calls out to God to be glorified in him, to to be glorified means to be seen for the, the, the word actually means to be heavy. I don't know if that means I have a little more glory than others, but Um, I don't think it's quite in that sense. It's that idea of somebody who has heaviness of splendor, of majesty. And Jesus says, that's what this hour is for, for his Father to be glorified. And God replies audibly to the people present, I have glorified it. You've seen it. As the blind have got their sight back, as as the lame have walked, as the dead have come back to life, you have seen God glorified. And I will glorify it again when the Son of Man is lifted up and when he rises. We have a glorious Jesus who in coming to trust in him resounds to the glory of his father. This is the message we need to hear. That's why at Southside we said, this is what we want to be. We had our blank slate. We had our blank sheet of paper to work out what we wanted to be as a church. And I think, It shouldn't surprise us, come up with. So it should be. 
to be a good place to meet Jesus. Built on a good foundation. Sent on a good mission to be a good community with a good message. And today, we are one. I look forward to seeing what God does through us. I look forward to the challenge of holding us together, holding us accountable to one another to keep this a good place to meet Jesus. And I look forward to seeing people meet him and find out the wonder of life that comes from Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he has done. We thank you that in Jesus we have a a wonderful king, a glorious Jesus, a servant Jesus, a crucified Jesus, a global Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would work in us, through us, Work on us where we need to be brought into that so that this can be a good place to meet that Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.